Medtronic Technologies impacted more than 72 million people in the last year, equating to two people every second. Harnessing the power of technology to take healthcare further, each technology has unique benefits designed to serve patients. The goal of this program is to get closer to the patient and to delve into the challenges and impact each technology has in practice. This is the Medtronic MedEd Learning Experience. The BIS monitoring system should not be used as the sole basis for diagnosis or therapy and is intended only as an adjunct in patient assessment. Reliance on BIS system alone for intraoperative anesthetic management is not recommended. Medtronic's medical education programs are offered to provide attendees education on the FDA-cleared indications and use of our products when applicable. The contents and conclusions of the following program are solely those of the speakers unless otherwise cited. The speakers are responsible for all content and any necessary permissions. The speakers received funding from Covidian LP, a Medtronic company, for the speaking engagement. For this segment of the series, a discussion on anesthesia in the brain, we will discuss the evidence to support biz use for brain monitoring. To help provide insight into this topic is Dr. Bob Thiele, Assistant Professor and Co-Director Enhanced Recovery After Surgery Program at the University of Virginia. Something else that I think that we've recently started to appreciate is the use of, is process EEG useful outside the OR where you're not necessarily doing general anesthesia. And so I call this the accidental GA concept. And it turns out that both at Penn and Thomas Jefferson University in Philadelphia, they've done some really interesting studies in the last couple of years about procedural sedation cases or process EEG monitors on these patients and measured their depth of anesthesia. So these providers were blinded to the process EEG output and it was only used to sort of record the depth of anesthesia and these colonoscopy patients received either a propofol or non-propofol anesthetic. This is the Penn study. And the patients who received a propofol-based anesthetic for sedation during colonoscopy, actually half of them were under general anesthesia. So that would be a best score of 60 or less. And about 6% of them actually were so deep, they started to develop birth suppression. So that's not sedation, that's general anesthesia. And the group that didn't get propofol, almost none of them were under general anesthesia and none of them experienced birth suppression. This is a similar study at um, TJ, Thomas Jefferson University, where they only studied patients that were anesthetized with propofol. And they found that at this institution, um, based on their process EEG for sedation for colonoscopy using propofol, almost 100% of their patients would be classified as under general anesthesia. And almost 30% of them exhibited uh, birth suppression, which is very deep. This is another paper done by uh, Dr. Gann about uh, 25 years ago, and I, but it's still worth talking about today. It's showing what happens if you use process EEG to help you plan emergence from anesthesia. And so both groups in this study received process EEG. One group, it was blinded. and the other group, the providers attempted to uptitrate or allow the BIS to go between 60 and 75 in the last 15 minutes of the case. And this is really nice data presentation by Dr. Gann because what you see on the top right is there's a physiologic difference between these groups. The 
intervention group clearly had a faster rise in the bispectral index at the end of the case. So the process EEG is showing a fundamental difference in the brain state at the end of the case if you use this to guide your anesthetic. And that actually led to an outcome difference that you could measure. These patients who you allowed the BIS score to come up a little bit early did routinely wake up faster, about five to 10 minutes faster. Environmental considerations, that's something that I think 10 years ago I wouldn't have really thought much about, but everybody talks about global warming, which is important. Volatile anesthetic agents are not good for the ozone layer. Um, and then there's a question of environmental toxicity, and this is controversial, so I don't want to um, suggest that this is definitive, but there is some belief that um, the ex chronic exposure to volatile anesthetic agents could be harmful to the health of providers. And that brings up the question to me of this idea of all other things being equal, we're gonna use volatile anesthetic agents for anesthesia and why is that? And certainly when I was training, what I was taught is that volatile anesthetic agents induce what's called pharmacologic preconditioning, PPC. And pharmacologic preconditioning helps protect our patients against organ injury from the stress of surgery and anesthesia. So from the hypoxia and the inflammation, all those things, less strokes, less heart attacks, um, less kidney failure, all those things. And there are about 9,000 basic science papers looking at different types of preconditioning. But when you actually test this in humans, and this is a trial with over 5,000 patients throughout Europe, comparing them uh, from volatile anesthetic to TIVA in cardiac surgery, there was actually no outcome difference whatsoever between the groups, um, which really casts a lot of doubt on the idea that volatile anesthetic agents actually uh, produce better clinical outcomes compared to intravenous anesthetic agents. This is by far the largest study that's ever been conducted, uh, trumps everything else that's been, every other comparison of volatile anesthetic agents to intravenous, intravenous agents. And so this is just Again, going back to Cochrane, different Cochrane meta-analysis, finding that there's a belief that also that um, use, use of propofol-based anesthetic compared to volatile anesthetic agent may, may end up, may, may produce a lower instance of post-operative cognitive dysfunction after surgery, which is really increasingly important. It's always good to look at more than one paper when you're making decisions about how to provide care. And I think the Cochrane database of systematic reviews has a very strong reputation for providing unbiased analysis of data. It's available in the biomedical literature, in particular, the most up-to-date data. These systematic reviews are updated every four or five years. And so this is a recent in 2019 analysis that all that really came to the same conclusions that our group came to, which is that this monitoring anesthesia may reduce the risk of intraoperative awareness in people undergoing general anesthesia, but it wasn't clear that it did that if you were comparing it to entitled anesthetic guided anesthesia with alarms. This analysis in the Cochrane database actually looked at other metrics other than just awareness. They looked at anesthetic dosing, which is interesting, like this idea of not only can we use process HG to monitor the brain to prevent awareness, can we do that, use it to prevent overdosing our patients? And that's an important question as we appreciate increasingly that vols or not just anesthesia and surgery in general have long-term impact on people's brains. So we don't fully understand that, but 
all, for essentially all drugs we know of have a therapeutic window and you don't want to exceed that or, or be below that. So you need enough anesthesia to be under general anesthesia, unconscious, amnestic, and immobile. But you probably don't want your patients to be in complete birth suppression. And there is some data that suggests that excessive birth suppression under general anesthesia might be associated with delirium and POCD afterwards. So the meta-analysis done by Cochrane suggested that people who use process EEG to guide their anesthetic use significantly less volatile anesthetic agent if that's what they're using, and also less propofol if they're using an intravenous anesthetic. They also found faster recovery, depending on what metric you use, between two and seven minutes. Please tune in next week for a new segment from this series wherever you find your podcast. This is the Medtronic MedEd Learning Experience. Thank you for listening.